Will gets the puck for Carrier. He gets stripped, taps the loose puck for Kessel. He scores! Kessel from below the goal line! Because one hour isn't enough. We welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Knights grab it on the right wing side. Smith to the point. Petrangelo scores! Set up by Riley Smith. Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Sticks down, let's drop the puck and get ready. Hour number two from Philadelphia and Las Vegas. Uh, Darren Millard and Chris Chapman along with Ryan Wallace. Chris Chapman gets a higher billing on the introductions this time around because of a career accomplishment over the course of the weekend in which he hosted a National Hockey League game on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Plus our game rankings from the two games that we uh, have watched occur since the last time we spoke. The Carolina Hurricanes and the St. Louis Blues. And that was both ends of the spectrum. You got a really good team in Carolina. And then the team that uh, is out of the running for a Western Conference playoff position in the St. Louis Blues and a lot of disappointment in and around that organization, uh, not going the way they expected it to. The return of Ivan Barbashev. Uh, you also had the debut of Yuri Patera on a back-to-back situation. And uh, there, was a, there was a lot of intrigue and, uh, and interest uh, in and around the Golden Knights, how they would perform. They really did a great job answering the bell in game number one against the Hurricanes, and there was no drop-off against the St. Louis Blues, which was impressive. So let's crank up the ranking machine and fire it off with Chris Chapman. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. Uh, well, it's a DeLorean, right? Bear with what me, Marty. All your questions will be answered. Roll yeah. tape. Okay, well, I'll, I'll start. Do we want to do them both? Do we want to do them both, or do we want to do them as a cumulative performance? I'll do them both, because they're both the same score for me. Okay. They're both fives. And I thought the Carolina game was a real opportunity for the team to make a statement um, coming off the, the Tampa game. There, there's still some doubters out there that don't believe in this team. And, and I think a lot of it, maybe not so much here in Vegas, but I think on a national level that the Western Conference is not getting the respect that they deserve. And that would mean that the Golden Knights are not getting the respect that they deserve. Look, they've swept Tampa. They swept Carolina. They've beaten the Boston Bruins. They've beaten the New Jersey Devils. They've beaten all the top teams in the East. They've beaten the Maple Leafs. They've beaten all the top teams in the Eastern Conference, and they have a very good record against the Eastern Conference. Yeah, there was a a little bit of a blip when they were dealing with some health issues back on that New York road trip, but overall, they've been really, really good against what many consider to be the superior conference in in the NHL. So I felt there was an opportunity to make a statement. Jonathan Quick made a statement that night. I thought Jonathan Marcheseau made a statement that night. When every player gets a plus rating in the game, there's no other way it could be anything other than a five. They get the shutout over a really, really good team. Some many consider to be the second or third best team in the East. It's a five. There, there, there's zero question for me that that game on Saturday was a five. And then the St. Louis what game. What about St. Louis? Yeah. I'm going to go with a five. And and I, I think they played better against Carolina than they did against St. Louis. There was a, a moment where it looked like maybe St. Louis would, would would make a game of it, and they did for a little bit. But overall, it was a superior team that took care of business. And the reason I give it a five, you get Yuri Patera, who was the fifth goalie to start, as you mentioned, in the last 15 days. He gets his first NHL win, and as Dan Duva mentioned in the postgame show, 
I don't remember the exact number, but there's not a lot of players who have played in the ECHL and then made it to the NHL. And that list becomes even shorter when you look at goalies. So for Yuri Patera to make the jump over his career from the ECHL to the NHL and get a win in his first ever game, that gets a five. And then Pavel Dorofeyev with the, with the soccer goal. And uh, get, get it's the winning goal. And the kid has two points on the night, his first career NHL point, and then his first career NHL goal. I think that's really cool. So it gets a five for that, for, for me. I didn't, don't want to take issue uh, too much with Anduva, but I will tell you that it's much more common for a goaltender to play in the ECHL. Well, I, the I added that. That, that wasn't Dan. That was me who added that. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, because it is uh, is not unprecedented for a guy to get some time in the ECHL when he turns pro. And then you work your way up through your organization because in the ECHL, you get a lot of time. You got a lot of reps. You get a lot of games. And uh, and that's certainly what happened. Uh, that's the case with Logan Thompson. Uh, that's the case with Yuri Patera and being able to to step in. So back-to-back DeLoreans. What's your streak now on the DeLoreans? Is that total three in a row? Yeah, I, it is three in a row. I, I certainly didn't give one after the Florida game, but I, I love the brouhaha in the Tampa game and the chaos and the old school Hanson line line brawl in the, uh, the the Tampa game. So that got a five as well. So yeah, we're up to three straight. Okay, loop me back to that after we're done with the game rankings because I've, I've got a little bit more information uh, about that melee. Ryan Wallace. All right, so Carolina, pretty clear, five out of five for me. I, I thought the Golden Knights were really good in that game. Um, Chris Chapman was really good on the pre-intermission and post, so there's a lot of goodwill going into that one. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think the, Carol- the the Golden Knights took care of the Carolina Hurricanes. They took advantage of mistakes. Brent Burns is, is good for one of those mistakes uh, per game, and Riley Smith buries a beautiful goal on it. The transition goal for Paul Cotter was fantastic. They were able to hold um, in a six-on-five situation for five minutes and get an empty net goal out of it. Uh, Exactly what you wanted to see. They closed strong, so that's a five out of five for me. Um, Going into the St. Louis game, I'm conflicted because I I want to ceremoniously give this a five out of five. I really do, but... I think at three to one, the Golden Knights kind of opened the door and allowed St. Louis to kind of get back into the game. It's another two goal lead uh, that that does get back to even in the third period. I like the response. I love the fact that Pavel Dorofiev has a couple of points, his first career NHL goal, the way that it's scored off of his off of his head, but it's because he's going to the front of the net. All those things are good. But as we found out in the aftermath of the Tampa game, we're going to start uh, doing these things as honestly and accurately as possible. So the St. Louis game for me is a trans am. It is not a five out of five because there were pockets that I didn't necessarily like, but I love the end result. I love Yuri Patera getting his first career NHL win. And I love Pavel Dorofiev getting a goal and an assist and being a big, big reason why the Golden Knights pulled two points out of that one. Uh, the most dramatic example of hockey hypocrisy as that I've ever seen uh, right there from Ryan Wallace uh, changing his uh, thing uh, game rating on the fly. So that's uh, that's really interesting. That That's what I get out of that is uh, is being able to talk one side and then vote on the other. I, I went with a, a couple of uh, DeLoreans just based on one, the shutout, amazing performance from Jonathan Quick and and boy, being able to step up and and lead your team to a victory and and lock that thing down. It had been 56 games since the Vegas Golden Knights had posted a perfect performance, a clean sheet 
as they say, back in uh, Bournemouth uh, and the Premier League. They were solid enough to score early and then protect that lead, and the goaltender was spectacular in his first set of back-to-back starts uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights in consecutive games, not on consecutive nights. Uh, so I, I love that uh, I love that play. I also uh, like what, uh, what Alex Petrangelo did in that game. Uh, really, really good. Uh, Great defensively, and then scoring uh, some some uh, point production uh, with it uh, along the way. Uh, I think that uh, that there's a, a real solid combination of Theodore and Petrangelo, and I don't think uh, that I've seen them both going. Uh, at the same time like they are right now. But uh, I loved uh, what I saw against the Carolina Hurricanes in trying to uh, follow up the performance against the Tampa Bay Lightning. There was no letdown in that game in Carolina. In fact, uh, raised the level of their game a, a little bit and were perfect. And then you went on back-to-back nights against a much different opponent. well time to get everybody uh, on the same page and, and try to pull for him. I thought it was great uh, that Yuri Patera was playing his first game in the sense that it made sure that everybody was focused and everybody was dialed in. And it was a little bit more back and forth fourth game, uh, but uh, a, a good good response to find a way to win that game and, and to not trail. Keep that in mind. The last three games, they have not trailed for a single mm-hmm. second. Uh, against Tampa, Carolina, and then St. Louis. You didn't have to claw your way back into that game. The lead was there, disappeared, but you did not trail. You were never chasing the game. Uh, And that's uh, one of the most impressive parts about this run that the Vegas Golden Knights have had. So uh, I I loved it. Uh, Back-to-back DeLoreans, uh, away we go, rip it off. Uh, You got three-game winning streak, a chance to win it with uh, four straight on the road uh, to close out the the five-game road trip. And and a lot of fun fun being had uh, with with the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, the the other side, the other coaching decision that we should uh, acknowledge by Bruce Cassidy and Sean Burke, and Fred Brathwaite, uh, the goalie coach with the with the Henderson Silver Knights, is that Saturday night Jonathan Quick is perfect and was brilliant in that game against Carolina. It would not have surprised a lot of people that Vegas would have made an adjustment to their plan and started Quick again on Sunday. Uh you could have sold me on that uh, by uh, a lot of uh, different measures and metrics uh, that, uh, that that would have been uh, the, the right call. But in talking to Bruce Cassidy, there was a couple of things that, that went into it. One, uh, you've got an older goaltender in Jonathan Quick, and uh, you don't want to just grind him into the, into the ice. So you're, you're taking his body into account. The other side is you've got a real issue with goalie attrition going back to the five goaltenders in the last 15 games. you got to protect what is your current number one goaltender, most experienced guy in, in Jonathan Quick. And if that means giving somebody their first career start, making it their first career appearance, then so be it. you got to put some faith into uh, Yuri Patera. They talk within the organization. They say he's ready. He was drafted in 2017. He's uh, he's uh, ripened his way up from splitting time in the ECHL and the AHL a year ago to earning a full-time job in Henderson with the Silver Knights a year ago. Uh, put some faith in that. So it was as much about 
protecting your asset and your players and not having uh, something else happen uh, where you have to go even further down the death chart as it was anything else. And I, I love the honesty from, from Bruce Cassidy in, in acknowledging that, uh, along with giving Yuri Patera the opportunity to, to go in there for, for his first start. And Yuri, uh, yesterday was a, was a weird game, uh, guys. It was a 6 o'clock local start in St. Louis. And there was mm. no game day skate for the Vegas Gold Knights uh, on the on the back to back because they got into St. Louis late, and uh, and then unpacked. So it was one of those strange days. It, it wasn't perfectly ruled out for your first career National Hockey League appearance. So they gave Yuri Patera the option: uh, Do you want to uh, stay at the hotel, stretch of the team, go through the the routine of the team, or? There's ice available for, for both teams over at the rink. You can go over and you can make it as close to your routine as a as you can. Getting a skate in, getting a little bit of sweat in, going through some stuff, uh, and and then going back for, for your nap. Uh, Yuri opted to get on the ice. So they had uh, the extra skater in, in Ben Hutton and a couple of coaches. Uh, they went over there, uh, and, and Yuri did his work on the ice. What that also allowed them to do was just to dial in some of the uh, coaching uh, and scouting that the, that the report included for the St. Louis blues. And I don't know whether you guys remember this, but there, the first shot that Patera faced was a sharp angle uh, shot from the glove side in which the pass was, was from behind the net in sort of a, a reverse pass. And, mm. and it was a sharp angle, but a really good opportunity by one of the best players of the St. Louis Blues. And Patera read it perfectly. And it happened a couple more times. Shen made a play uh, later on uh, that generated a golden opportunity. Well, that's part of the scouting report that the St. Louis Blues love to do these little plays from behind the net or behind the goal line out front and take these sharp angle shots. And uh, Patera worked on that. The coaching staff had him work on that at that morning skate yesterday when it was just four of them on the ice and he was ready and prepared for that aspect of the game. And if, and if I'm, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have happened, but he was aware of that play and had worked on it earlier in the day. So it just has so happens that it was the first shot that he faced by a world-class player in Robert Thomas and he made that save. Imagine the other side, if that's your first shot and, and it goes in, how, how rattled you might be. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the layers of preparation that went into it, one, uh, Yuri had the option, skate or not skate. He chose to skate. So they were able to do a little extra work with him uh, on, on that. So uh, Sean Burke, uh, Misha Donskov, a uh, great job. Ben Hutton was also on the ice. Uh, awesome work on, on that side of it. And then be able to recover from that 94-mile-per-hour clapper off the face uh, that knocked his mask off and and stay in it. Like He's worked his whole way his whole life. His, his parents are watching in the Czech Republic after midnight. Uh, he, he wasn't leaving that game and uh, and good on him. So uh, that's uh, a couple of little bit of uh, tidbits uh, from the game last night in which which the Vegas Golden Knights produced a pair of DeLoreans, much to Ryan Wallace's uh, apathy when it comes to DeLoreans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, no, for sure. Tell me, tell me again how that game against St. Louis differs from the game against Tampa. Oh, it was simple. Uh, you you had uh, a situation where it was your 
rookie going in in goal. You had a rookie going in on the back end. So you accept the fact that it's not going to be as clean. You realize that being on a back-to-back scenario and and not being able to work a, a little bit more with these players to get in, that it's that it's not going to be as crisp and fine-tuned. So there's a little more latitude uh, with it uh, than the game against uh, Tampa Bay, and and just being uh, more accepting and more open to it. And and that that's why there's different. It's it's a it's a good question, Ryan, and it's and it's not one that uh, that should be absolutely dismissed. Uh, I, I welcome the query uh, from 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 you, uh, but that's it's it's just there's the different personnel and being a back to back generated just a, a little more openness uh, to to read uh, what happened last night as opposed to the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's all. There's really good cars. Little different in their muscle. One's a little bit fancier. One's a little bit more modern in in the grand scheme of things. A little more uh, back to the future. Uh, the other one's more muscle in, in the Trans Am. But I like I like both cars, and I, I would take both if if you gave them to me. I'm gonna add in the, yeah. the goofiness with the time change as well. Right, the Golden Knights lost an hour in between the game the game ending in Carolina and the game starting in St. Louis. They were already no. on a short clock. No, no, that's wrong. Here's the thing. So you got the you you fly to St. Louis. You actually gain an hour there. Yes. All right. You do. Time change. But then but then but then you had the time change, which took the hour away. So they came out even in that, right? In the time change. But then it was a six o'clock start. Mm-hmm. So that's another negative. So one hour total through three different equations. It was, I went on a deep dive on this on the plane <laughs> from Carolina to St. Louis, trying to figure out what the, the whole uh, uh, flight and body clock was, was going to be uh, going into that game. So it, the fact that you lose an hour on the time change uh, in daylight savings time, and then you gain an hour in time zone, but then lose an hour because it's a six o'clock, this wonky, quirky six o'clock start. And in the grand scheme of things, you're only down one. Kind of an odd thing. We should just be glad it wasn't. You brought it up. We should be glad it wasn't this Sunday because when they play Columbus, it's a one o'clock start on Sunday out at T-Mobile. So that would have really been crazy. You're right. It is a one o'clock start uh, against the Blue Jackets de la Columbus. You, uh, you, buddy, had a had an interesting weekend, Chris Chapman. Let's get into it. You hosted your first National Hockey League game in stepping in uh, for Ryan Wallace on, on Saturday. When did you get the call? What was the heart beating like? And how did it go? Well, to be fair, I, I, I had an idea on, on Friday that this was a possibility. However... I got the call early on Saturday morning that it was happening, uh, I guess about 9 o'clock-ish. And I was I was kind of calm because I had a lot of errands to run before I got out to Parkway Tavern. I had to do a few things with, with Mrs. Chapman before I went over there. So I really didn't have too much time to think about it. But then all of a sudden I looked at my watch and I'm like, oh, my God, it's already 2 o'clock. I got I to gotta get out of the house and get to Parkway Tavern because I'm, 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 I'm calling Ashley at 2.30. So when I had, I guess it's a good thing that I didn't have any time to really think about it because I would have been really nervous. Plus I was really angry because Liverpool played like garbage against Bournemouth. So, uh, 
So that 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 kind of took a little bit of the of the nervousness away because I, I was too busy thinking about how bad they played. But once once I got through the first break or two, I I, I felt pretty comfortable. It was the first segment which was kind of just just kind of threw me off for a loop. The the, the reads I guess were 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 new to me because obviously we don't do those on this show. So it's not something I was I was familiar with. And when I do the UNLV football pregame show, we don't have reads there either. So uh, getting them in was was a little was a little nerve wracking for me. That was the thing I was concerned about the most because I I I felt like I could talk about the game, but it was it was just the first break or two. And and fortunately, Doug Marsh, our, our assistant program director, he came over and hung out with me for a little bit in case I I needed someone to lean on, but. He he never came on the mic, and he even bought me lunch out of it. So I, I I would say it worked out pretty well for me that that he came out there. Okay, why why wouldn't you have done a deep dive into all the statistics that are available instead of running errands on Saturday? Well, I I, I did have statistics because I, I I I knew a little bit about the Carolina Hurricanes, and and um, the one that I, that I focused on because you know for the pregame we we don't deep deep dive too much because obviously there's not that much time but I focused on one and it was Sebastian Ajo's play in games that the Carolina Hurricanes win and and how he's just ridiculous with the plus minus rating how he's got a, a ton of goals and a bunch of assists but in games that they lose he doesn't have very good statistics and I I said look focus on Sebastian Ajo and and that was something I had I knew I was going to have to do and and I went in a little bit on that and so I I I was able to pull some of that a little bit and the conversation with Ashley was pretty good because we got to joke about the uh the brouhaha and how you and me are on the same uh, wavelength and how we've got this connection she told me you were a little disappointed that that I didn't call you though (laughs) <laughs> I was I was disappointed yeah. because I enjoy hitting the ignore button. <laughs> and then she called me Ryan, which was which was really really fun. I heard that, and and I got and a she good. She feels bad about she that. She did. Right? She texted just, me, and just I just so you know, she feels bad about. I that. told her. I texted her. I said. I said no. Don't worry. It was it was fine. It, it was actually really funny. No reason to feel bad. It it it, it was it. She, and she joked back. She's like, well, you know, you you you, you kind of took Ryan's material with with star of the game or, or, or night to shine. She said, so, so I, 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 I just went back that it was talking to Ryan. I said, but don't feel too bad. It's no big deal. It, it's, it was funny. It was, I, I got a really good kick out of it. So uh, she should have a couple of things to, to play off you there. Uh, one, uh, I think you'll find with most teams where like the Ajo uh, example, if they put up points, their team usually wins. Yeah. And if they don't, uh, their team usually loses, but uh, but that that may be a little more pronounced with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I haven't looked at it uh, that much, but uh, outside of a team like Edmonton with McDavid and Drysaddle, I think they still put up points whether they win or they lose, and that was certainly the case on Saturday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But most teams, if the stars aren't going. Uh, then they're going to have a lot of trouble uh, winning on a regular basis. The other side was this Liverpool uh, example that you throw up that got under your skin. Oh, uh, you're you're a Vegas guy. Yes, like that. That should that's a win win the other night uh, with Liverpool and Bournemouth playing because uh, Bill Foley uh, owns the Bournemouth Cherries, yes. AFC Bournemouth, 
so that that's a that's a victory for uh, Foley Entertainment. I'm group. I'm very uh, happy, even though it came at an for... expense uh, of of your your mighty Liverpool. And Liverpool was good in that game. They just didn't finish. Yeah, uh, they they had six shots on net. Never Solid mind misses, uh, six uh, attempted shots. Kick. And possession was seventy to thirty. Uh, Liverpool was just fine. There's just no finish. And quite honestly. The, the the cherries needed a a good result, so you you shouldn't have been <laughs> well, that quite see now they're, uh, they're disappointed. And I will tell you this: next time you do the show, next time you have to fill in for for Ryan Wallace, and you talk about the reads that that were a challenge. I guarantee you that our buddy Nate Ewell, uh, over uh, with the, with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, my <laughs> boss uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights, is going to absolutely guarantee. That you have three mm. to four Borman Cherry reads in there. <laughs> I hope so. Their tires. I, it, it would after, have, it, after that little comment about Liverpool, that, that would have been just the the beautiful. Oh, would have been perfect. But as far as that, I, I will say this: there's a silver lining in this because Liverpool's big in, inner city rival is Everton, and they're battling Bournemouth for. Uh, relegation. Hopefully, Bournemouth stays up and Everton goes down. But that oh, result. Don't, don't try and suck no, up no, now. Listen, I'm I'm just saying that, that that there's a silver lining here. If you give me my choice, I would much rather see Bournemouth stay up than Everton. I'd love to see Everton go down. That'd be great. You don't want to see the text string that I've got going right now with Nadeo <laughs> after your little comment because he listens. He listens yeah. religiously to the BGK Insider Show. He is all over this yeah, show, be, and well, your comment about Liverpool and Bournemouth I, uh, has, has has not gone over very well. I know that Nate listens to oh, to boy. a lot of a lot of what we do because me and him had a conversation about Fish, the band that he's a big fan of, mm-hmm. and right away he knew that Fish plays a lot during the pregame show. Our our producer of the pregame show, Bobby, he he's a big Fish fan, and he plays Fish music in the pregame show. So and Nate, right away, oh yeah, I hear that in the pregame show. How did intermissions go for you? I thought they were pretty good. Um, they there's not a ton of time, you know. It goes by fast, but I I, I thought you know, I, I will say this: I learn a lot listening to Dan during the intermissions. Um, even when I'm, when I'm in the studio and I have to fill in for Bobby running the games, I I just find the information that Dan and Gary deliver during the broadcasts are incredible, and there's so much to learn, and I'm able to feed off of that and learn a little bit. Um, I, I love the interviews that they have. Um, you know, it was one of those things that it was just a blur. But I, I thought intermission in general was 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 pretty pretty good. I enjoyed them. I just wish they were a little bit longer. But I'm sure the players don't. They want to get out there and play. So <laughs> um, have you uh, have you have you gone over your tape yet? Uh, listen to it. Back no, and, I I, uh, I haven't because I I was off yesterday and um, I'm going to pull them today. Well, you can't do that. It's usually something you would do on a day off. Well, I don't have access to the to the system from home, so. Oh, okay. Uh, but I I'm going right. to pull well, them today. I went, and, I went over it. Uh, we'll t- we'll talk tomorrow. We'll we'll set aside a couple of hours and we'll go through it. And we'll <laughs> we'll dissect everything. Uh, I love it. I, I love did it. Did you think about doing an in-game commentary, like in the middle of the the second period, just jumping in and saying, Dan? Gary, I've I've had this thought and maybe maybe offering a commentary during the game. No, I I did not. Those two guys are are professionals in every I way. I think you should and, do that next no. time. Next time you just you just jump in and say I've got an idea. I want to take the next 3 <laughs> minutes uh, during play and offer this thought. I I I will say this. I tried doing play-by-play in hockey and it was by far and away the hot, hardest sport to do play-by-play for. Unbelievably, the game is so fast. Line changers it's like unlike any sport because of 
the fact that there's not substitutions during stoppage, and so or during gameplay there's subs. So it, it it's it's very very difficult. So I have a, a great amount of respect for for Dan and Brian and all the other play by play guys throughout the league because and and in, in every league because it's so so hard to do and and I know because I've tried it and I was terrible at it. So um, you know a lot of respect to those guys. Now I want to hear you do play by play. No, no, you don't. <laughs> you do I, not. I'm I'm the same way. I like doing play by play. I don't I don't think I'm very good at it. Could I could I fill in for a game or two? Absolutely. I Would, couldn't. Uh, it'd be my preferred choice. No, no way. I'd I'd rather do what I do. Now, now. baseball, like basketball, play by play. I I I can do those. I like those. But hockey's really really hard. It's Baseball's the it's the, the hardest of the of the four sports. I think. Baseball's like. Easy. Oh, you and have so much downtime. Basketball, you can you pace it a little bit, and the same guys are always on, on the floor, so you're you're not following uh, and, and tracking that. Uh, football, I have no desire to do, but but as far as the easier of the of the professional sports, baseball and basketball, that's a walk in the park. Oh, baseball's great. I love I love doing baseball play by play. Did so you much. see the umpire the other day? The no, college no. umpire who 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 intentionally called a third strike against the batter because he wasn't very happy, even though it was like three feet outside. <laughs> the, the umpire's been suspended. It was an NCAA uh, baseball game. You he should have been. He should have been suspended. I, I saw it. It was great. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was <laughs> like, like to, to, honestly to have the confidence <sighs> or the anger to to and, and it might be both. At the same time, or it might be one or the other, to 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 be able to do that and just no matter what was happening, uh, to to call that guy out, even though the the it was almost a pass ball, it would have hit a left-handed batter. Uh, it was so yeah. far outside to to the right-handed batter. I loved it. It uh, it it reminded me of Naked Gun when Leslie Nielsen. Oh, was, it's one of the all-time the great movie and, and scenes. Decided they, decided that they cheered when he called strike so everything was a was a strike that was naked gun in real time <laughs> hey it's enrico it, it palazzo was, it, chapman it was that bad it, oh it it's brilliant to the fullest extent oh, i love i'm gonna beautiful. have to find it now i'm gonna find it uh it's not uh it's not hard to find okay. trust me uh between uh <laughs> as, as you sift through uh nate's uh nate's text about bournemouth uh you'll be able to have some time to, to find it <laughs> Bournemouth Cherries uh, out of the relegation position. I'm having some fun with you. Nate and I were both joking around, like how how can he be talking about Liverpool? It was a beautiful win. I uh, I have a Liverpool tattoo on my arm. I'm, I am I am a diehard of all the teams I support. Liverpool is is number one. So, uh, it, yeah, it, it 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 was bad, but it was good for Bournemouth. I'm I'm happy that that they were able to escape relegation and hopefully they build off Dude. of it. Dude, I don't need your charity now. You've spoken. <laughs> I'm still waiting on charity. my scarf. No. I'm still waiting. Uh, when we continue, news and notes from around the National Hockey League with one-timers on the way on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. Here we go. Let's uh, get at it with our one-timers uh, looking around the National Hockey League. I'm in Philadelphia right now getting set for the capper on the five-game road trip tomorrow against the Flyers. And the Flyers made a change at general manager position the other night. 
Uh, Danny Briere is the interim general manager. I uh, heard him speak. I read a couple of things uh, as my preparation for the Flyers game uh, got uh, involved uh, this afternoon. And uh, one of the areas that was really interesting from Briere, who's, who's been working in hockey for a long time. Uh, this isn't one of those Marty St. Louis situations where he jumps in after coaching his kids game uh, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Briere has been looking at being a general manager for a number of years, uh, from uh, the American Hockey League uh, to shadowing uh, in and around the Philadelphia Flyers organization, uh, being a special assistant. So this this was on his radar, and it was obviously on the Philadelphia Flyers' radar because uh, they, they put him in this position. But he said that he knows that he can do the job, absolutely is confident that he can do this job, which is Great to hear he's not coming in. Was the Indianapolis Colts that they plucked the guy off uh, ESPN and, and put him in as the head coach uh, this year? And that was mm-hmm. a disaster. Like there, the St. Louis thing worked out for Montreal, but there was a lot of jokes about that at the time and, and yeah. how that would go. This is very much a, a plan, a part of the process. And I have no doubt that Danny Briere is going to be the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. They've, they've taken the position of president and general manager and split it, though. Uh, a lot like mm-hmm. what the Vegas Golden Knights are right now, with George McPhee as president of hockey operations and Kelly McCrimmon as the general manager. Before, it was Chuck Fletcher who occupied both those positions. So now there's two different jobs. I don't think that uh, Danny Briere will be the president. I think there'll be somebody brought in uh, the, to, to handle a, a lot of the other stuff and he can focus on on the hockey. Uh, One thing to keep in mind is the future of the connections to the old guard. Uh, Fletcher's out as general manager, so he's not gonna be involved, but there's three very uh, popular and influential people around the Philadelphia Flyers that are still here. Paul Holmgren, who's been a general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers for a number of years, Bill Barber, who is a Flyer Hockey Hall of Famer uh, as a player and was a great coach with the Philadelphia Flyers, and Bob Clark, who was Mr. Philadelphia Flyer. Those three guys are still in and around the organization as consultants. Uh, They do wield a lot of influence. I think that that is going to be limited under the new president. I think they're going to work their way away from homer and and uh, bob and and billy uh and and their influence uh so that is something that that uh, i because when when ron hextall i'll just go back when ron hextall was let go as general manager a couple of years ago mm-hmm. it it was very widely perceived that it was the old guard that said what's going on here let's move this thing along faster and they yeah. influenced that so I, I think you're going to see uh, just uh, a backing off or moving away from Holmgren, Clark, and Barber. And the general manager is going to have more autonomy, not just in making decisions, because that's what the general manager does, but the perception in and around the office, in and around the organization, that there's not going to be somebody whispering in another year, another ear uh, in and around. The other part is uh, the rebuild. And, and Briere isn't afraid of that word but he wants mm-hmm. and, he, and he's he admits that it's going to take a rebuild in philadelphia but he cautioned people from uh, expecting like a teardown he doesn't expect every player to be traded uh he likes a number of players and he he thinks that uh, that a core of this team will be around so that's something to keep in mind ryan 
Yeah, that's interesting in that I, you know, you don't necessarily want to strip everything down. You want to build around certain pieces that you like. And I, I like the idea of one voice kind of moving things forward, because I think for Philadelphia, what got them into this, this issue right now is that they had a clear plan in place. You go against that plan. It doesn't work out. And now you're right back in the same position you were three, four years ago, and you've lost those three or four years. The, the and they, they they will have two voices, okay? Uh, because it's going to be president and general manager, but they won't have the old guard, uh, mm-hmm. the at arm's length, uh, whispering or talking. And I, I don't blame those guys for for being involved. They they basically like Bobby Clark has ran this franchise since 1967. He's been mm-hmm. in and around it, and uh, Bill Barber was was right there with them. Uh, by the way, the, Bill Barber. I can't imagine how many uh, emails he would get from the National Hockey League because he was one of the biggest divers, floppers in and around. I love Bill Barber. <laughs> like, he's one of my favorite players ever. Uh, love him. Number seven with the Philadelphia Flyers. But boy, yeah. could, could could he sell a hook or a high stick uh, better than anybody and had great hair. Uh, one of my biggest thrills was when Eric Lindros returned to the Philadelphia to play the Philadelphia Flyers for the first time as a member of the New York Rangers. I was dispatched to cover that game and got to sit and hang out with uh, with Billy in his office for a while. Just such a gentleman. Such a cool guy. I love him uh, so much. But I think they're, it's time that, that they separate themselves. The, the, the final piece on the Philadelphia Flyers will be the interesting tack to handle the head coach who's in the first year of a four-year deal. And I was surprised that, that, that John Torrella took this job because it was tracking towards uh, uh, being more of a long-term situation. And Torts, he's he's done everything, uh, winning uh, at the National Hockey League. He is in his mid-60s. Uh, uh, he's not the most patient person in the world, uh, but has has learned a little bit from that. Uh, I just thought he was would have been looking for more of a win-now uh, philosophy, but given that he's he's in the first year of this four-year deal uh, that pays him four million dollars a season, do they go with that? Eating eating the final three years would be really expensive uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers, but with a new general manager in uh, and wanting to rebuild and, and using those words, uh, I'm curious to see where that part of the organization goes when Danny Briere has the interim title removed from the general manager tag. I think from a Philadelphia Flyer perspective, um, you you have a coach that's going to demand players play a certain way. And I think if you're rebuilding and you're trying to not get too far away from what a winning culture is and and having a, a coach like John Tortorella kind of reinforce some of those habits of what it's going to take when this team gets better later on. Um, I think he, I think he'd probably be the right choice to make sure that, that you don't get too far away of that in the room. Now, John Tortorella understanding what's ahead of him, that becomes a really interesting story, but I, I don't know that I foresee a change to me right now. John Tortorella is the face of that franchise. Yeah. And I love John. And I think that he gets a raw deal in the media quite honestly, uh, mm-hmm. for his yeah. tact. Uh, he's far more uh, personable and caring and uh, involved in his players' lives than, quite honestly, uh, a lot of other coaches are. 
Uh, and that's a big part of the modern day coaches is to be engaged with your players. So I, I do like that. Just he's not the GM's guy. Wasn't hired, yeah. and and there's three years left on that deal. Uh, Danny Briere, by the way, is at his first general manager meetings uh, being held right now in Florida, and he's the interim general manager, so he uh, attends these meetings of all 32 GMs in the National Hockey League uh, for uh, the next couple of days. They broke out into break uh, breakout groups uh, today uh, with four different groups of eight general managers and talked about a variety of topics, uh, one of which was the, what to do when there's a fight after a clean hit in the NHL. And the player that delivers the hit has to drop his gloves and, and scrap. Uh, where we are in this is there's a, there's a penalty in place for that, and it's an instigator penalty. Uh, but it's it's not called a lot. Uh, there there are other penalties that are called uh, roughing uh, by the player that uh, that uh, initiates the fight uh, or um, unsportsmanlike conduct. But the instigator penalty is not called a lot. I think there's 20 times this year. Gary Lawless told me yesterday. Uh, the instigator penalty is two minutes, five minutes, and a 10 minute misconduct. Mm-hmm. I the severity of that penalty, and then if you get Three instigators suspended for a game. Uh, I think the severity of that penalty is why you don't see it a lot. I think they would love the instigator to be called more if a player initiates a fight after a clean hit, uh, trying to defend his teammate. They would like the instigator to be called more. But when you're talking about two, ten, and a game, it's so punitive that referees are loath to toss a guy out for that. So they'll either look the other way and just say it's part of the game, or they'll toss in some kind of uh, unsportsmanlike penalty. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this is going to go. The league wants to stop the fights after a clean hit. They, they, right. most, they, not a majority, but a lot of the fights in the National Hockey League, large percentage of the fights in the National Hockey League come in this situation now. Just look at New York Rangers and Jacob Truba. He'd never fight if he didn't have to fight after delivering a clean hit, which uh, happens a lot. I think you'll see a massaging of the instigator rule where Mm -hmm. it comes down to maybe a double minor, which they talked about today, uh, or a a five-minute major. But the 10-minute misconduct and the game ejection, I think, will go bye-bye. Now, there's a chance they won't do anything. But if you make Mm -hmm. it less punitive... But still, a punishment. Uh, you you accomplish both things. The referees will call it more, which we would like them to. Uh, I'm on the side of the general managers on this. I think it's ridiculous if you throw a, a hit within the rules and you should have to fight for it. I think uh, I think that is goofy. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I I think that if if they make it so. Uh, the player is still punished, but isn't tossed out of the game. Uh, I think there's a, there's a middle ground on that, and I'm, I'm glad they're they're looking at this rule. Um, we, Vegas has done it; like every team does it. You you step in mm-hmm. and you support your teammate, and yeah. there's a, a sort of a, an acceptance that they're not going to call you for the instigator, the two five and the ten in the game. They're not going to call that, so I'll just do it, and I'll probably just get five for fighting, and, and we'll go on. Uh, but if you make it so your team's going to be shorthanded for four minutes or five minutes, mm-hmm. you might think twice. And instead of just jumping in and 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 fighting, you might just push and shove, which is what uh, 
Alec Martinez was trying to do against the Montreal Canadiens mm-hmm. a, a couple of weeks ago. He didn't want to fight there. It was the the hat player yeah. that, that, that dropped his gloves and that. He was just going in to, to defend and, and push and shove. Yeah, I anything that gets the idea of jumping in and trying to fight after a clean hit out of the game is is good with me. Uh, double minor would, would be an interesting one because then you're hurting your team more than you're really helping trying to defend a you know one of your players uh, after a clean hit so whatever we whatever we get to so long as it moves that in the right direction i'm for it more double minor the name of dave gosher's band anytime we can mention double minor more and more uh, i'm all for mm-hmm. in favor of that uh, dave gosher one of the biggest supporters of the vgk insider show those are your one-timers news and notes from around the national hockey league on fox sports las vegas <laughs> All right, guys. Well, catching up with Chapman, we don't have a ton of time, so I will. Uh, I saw this on Twitter, and it was which NHL player would you want to host Saturday Night Live? So I'm going to go with a Vegas Golden Knights edition, and I'm going to include every player who's ever played for the Golden Knights. I would want Ryan Reeves to host Saturday Night Live as a former VGK player. Honorable mention to Nick Holden. I think Nick Holden would have been really good at that too. I want Phil Castle. I don't know Phil enough. Uh, that's a good one. It'd be awesome. I love Cotter. Phil Kessel to do it. I think it'd be hilarious. He's a funny guy. Well, I'm going Paul Cotter. We got tickets to give away, guys. Thursday. All right. Caller number five. 876-1340. Caller number five. Against Calgary. 876-1340.